Okay. Let's do that. Now, somebody, before we go into this any further, um, I need two people to do a research for me. One, find me 2 Corinthians 5.17. Is that... Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking about. Find that and be ready to read it. And I need someone else to, to look up, and I didn't. I thought of it on the way over here, and I didn't look up the verses where Paul talks about the old man of sin is dead. So if you've got your phone, you can Google that real quick. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 is the first one. <clears throat> and then... Um, Whatever Paul had to say about the old man, if you know, if you recall it, and you know some, it sounds like Romans to me. Yes. Okay, y'all hang on to that, and uh, we're going to look at those in a minute. Okay, we're going to get in the middle of that, so hang on to it. Um, those are some things that I want us to to go through, and. It's kind of on the subject, and some might say, well, maybe it's not, but it is, I believe, and it's something we need to, we need to look at. We've been having conversations all day long, and it's been good while we worked and sweated and went through pain. Uh, Michael and Jackie and the boys and uh, Lauren and Cortland and came over, and we, we moved a whole lot of They moved more of it than I did because <laughs> I'm about out of gas. <laughs> but we had a... A good afternoon, and I appreciate their help. We we really do appreciate what they did. But we've been talking in between all the things about a lot of good basic principles. So this morning, we were discussing the fundamental things and some, some essential things and some non-essential things. And some of the discussion that we had, and that's why we're doing this, and I, I like doing this because this is kind of a, you could call it kind of a, it acts like a think tank, you know, because we can sit here and discuss these issues and, and banter them back and forth and, and find out what God is saying. Because I believe, I am convinced that too many churches today, whether Baptist or anything else, don't talk about these fundamental issues enough, okay? So what I want to talk about tonight, we're going to get to that. We're going to read a, a little bit here in Proverbs 2. And this is about searching for silver. And the book, I didn't get into all this. I just made a devotion. But I want us to, to dig and search for these truths in the Word of God. We're going to talk about the old man of sin. Or we're going to talk about the very simply uh, human nature. This is much better. And I used to say that human nature, I used to say this for a long time, human nature is what it is. Um, we can't change human nature. And I, I always said, you know, the only one that can ch change it is the one that made it. So we're going to look at the changing part of that. And... Uh, Study those kind of things. Come on in, guys. We were just talking about y'all. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> we were, we were, I was, 
thanking everybody for coming over and helping. So, let's read a couple of verses before we go to Romans. And let's see what we, what we got in here in Proverbs 2. Now, Proverbs 1, we've talked about the fear of the Lord being the beginning of knowledge. We talked about how we gain knowledge, what kind of knowledge that we gain. Some of it's good knowledge and some of it's not so good knowledge, right? So, yeah, I'm, I'm throwing the psycho- some of the psychologist stuff in here with you, but I believe that all of that helps us understand how we learn, okay? Everybody learns. Some are audible learners. Some are visual learners. Some are, you know, combination of such. Different people learn different ways. And if you being a teacher, and y'all that are that are teachers, you understand. You throw things out in different ways. You say something, and then you restate it and kind of in a different way because somebody else is going to pick up on it th- that time that didn't pick up on it the first time. Those kind of things. So if you're putting stuff out in the classroom, you're speaking, you're lecturing, and then you put out visual things and colors and all these different things because you're trying to reach the major majority of all the kids in the classroom. Y'all are not kids, but I'm just using the principle here. And then when you've gotten the majority of the kids in your class or whoever's in your class to understand the principle that you just taught them, then you go find out the one or two that just didn't grasp it and you deal with them one-on-one, right? Pretty much. I mean, that's Different teachers do different ways and different kinds of things. But I mean, my whole idea is that you try to reach everybody because everybody learns in a different way. So we find that the fear of the Lord and having the correct premise on anything that we're talking about, if you're going to talk about any subject, if you come at it from a Christian worldview, that's going to make a big difference, isn't it? Everything you talk about. If you talk about... Uh, childbirth, raising children, whether you talk about anything else out here in the world, and I'm just running out of ideas, but anything you approach, if you approach it with a Christian worldview versus a worldly, ungodly worldview, everything is going to have a little different start. And that's the premise that I was talking about. If you have the right premise, then you can understand that things are going to come out with a different result, at least on you. So we find that we got to have the fear of the Lord uh, before we can understand. We can't really learn effectively, and I'm not saying everybody that's ungodly is stupid, but, uh, okay, well, maybe some of that's true, but (laughs) not all of it. But (laughs) people who have no concept of God have some very strange ways of looking at life. Can I say it like that? Different from us. Okay. I respect them as a human being. I respect their opinions and I respect their right to believe differently and disagree with me. I totally do. I really honestly do. I used to, when I was young, I'd get mad when people didn't agree with me because I was convinced that I knew everything, you know. And usually when people do get mad like that, it's because they do have some issues that they need to deal with. But the older I got and the more that I got into and the more that people did disagree with me, I learned that I don't know everything. And I realized that, okay, I learned what I learned, I know what I know, and there's a lot that I don't know, okay. But you'll find that when you 
people come up to you and they say something, and I'm trying to stay out of the political realm, so I'm not going to use some of these things, but they would come up and make a statement to people, and when people made another statement, they'd get fighting mad. Y'all remember some of that here a couple of years ago? When they're having all those riots and burning up buildings and acting like a bunch of people over in Psalm 2 that said they, you know, set cities on fire and just, you know, why are the unrighteous in an uproar, you know? <clears throat> they do. They set cities on fire and do crazy stuff because they get angry and people stand out there and scream in the streets like they're crazy and out of their mind. And if you don't agree with them on their wild idea of some way to live life that you like, that's not the way we're supposed to live life. But if you don't agree with them, they just get fighting, screaming mad. And Y'all seen them on TV standing up there screaming, videos and different things? They're standing out there screaming like a bunch of banshees. And you're like, what is wrong with you? So people say, well, they have a mental illness. I don't believe they have a mental illness. I believe they have a spiritual illness. There are people who are mentally ill, uh, not near as many as they like to make it out to be. It's a spiritual thing. Some of them just never got their behinds tore up when they were little, you know, learn to scream and hold your breath and act like that. I mean, okay, go ahead. You'll pass out and you'll start breathing again. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. So if you don't have the right understanding of God, it's going to be very difficult for you to have to apply the the the, the learning that you get. So when kids go off, and I'm I'm kind of rambling here, but I'm going to get to it. Kids that go off to college, okay, and they start learning about you know uh, all these things we've been talking about, Darwin's theories and all that kind of stuff. And then they come back to the house with a little bit of knowledge. And at Thanksgiving, they disrupt the entire, you know, incident because now they know everything about how life came about, you know. And some professor convinced them that their mom and daddy was dumb as, you know, as a box of rocks. So now that you, because you believe in God and you believe in creation and you believe in all this kind of stuff, you must be in, you know, from the prehistoric days or something. You know, you prove that that troglodyte, you know, human missing link thing is actually exists. It, it exists in you conservative Christians that, you know, believe all these things on the right and all that kind of stuff. So what I'm saying is you see the difference. You, put, you see ungodly people who have an ungodly view of life, an ungodly view of everything. How can they possibly put things in the proper perspective that they learn? Because it said plainly here, without the fear of the Lord, you know, what, well, plainly, let me read that again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, in the beginning of wisdom in another place. So it's impossible, and I know that's pretty dogmatic of me to say that, but it's, it's, it's impossible for us to have a correct understanding of life without having some kind of understanding of the one who gave us the life. Okay, I'm a created being. I can't even know myself unless I know the one that made me at some in some capacity. How can I possibly know who I am and what I'm supposed to be? You know, they call that teleology. Well, it's it's having a purpose. There's a purpose to my life. I'm not just here as a blob of cells, you know, and if people think that, then 
they it's easy to just go sin, do what you want to do, and live your life the way you want to live it, and boom, it's gone, you know. But if you know there's a purpose, you know there's a God, you know there's a creator, and you were created, and you have a purpose and all that, and you're going to have to answer to that creator, that puts a whole new spin on things, doesn't it? It sure does. <laughs> People who don't have to answer to someone at the end of life or the end of the ages, you know, uh, you, big deal. Do what you want to, you know, take what you want, do what you want, you know, live like you want. But if you have some kind of an idea that there's going to be some answering to this, some consequences for your actions, it kind of curtails a little of that. And Ecclesiastes talks about that. If, uh, you know, if, if punishment for sin is not executed very quickly, then people just have a tendency to just do what they want to do. Well, that's part of our legal system. It's all the same thing. Okay, now, that's preliminary stuff. Where am I? I'm watching my clock over here. All right. Human nature. Let's look at chapter 2. Let's read a few of these verses. My son, now here we say this is, this is why we believe that this is like a father teaching his children. And again, uh, J. Vernon McGee helped me understand that. Uh, Harry Ironside, Dr. Harry Ironside helped me understand with some of these old books that, that we were reading. And <clears throat> there are many others that, that kind of fall on this. <clears throat> help us understand that Proverbs is just not just a collection of wise sayings or maxims, but it's actually uh, a series of, of, of warnings about things in life and teachings about things in life to help us face those things in life before they actually happen and gives us the premise to start with. Fear the Lord. Trust, believe in God. Fear the Lord. Understand how what the purpose of life is. Then it sure helps you when you come up on these problems to know what to do with those problems, right? Anybody got any questions about any of that or misunderstandings about it before I go any further? Any comment or anything? Feel free to speak up. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what we want to do. We'll take as long as we need to take. So he says, my son, if, and, and who was that Michael said last week, if thens, you know, if you will receive my sayings and treasure my commandments within you, you could almost say again, if you make your ear attentive to wisdom, because it's still in the same uh, tone there, if you will incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment and lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then, there it is, then, as a result of this if, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Let's just go ahead and read this. <clears throat> then you will discern the righteousness, discern righteousness and justice. Oh, wait a minute. People out here hollering about righteousness and justice? You know? Remember, we had marches about justice. I wonder how many of them understand God. Okay? <clears throat> equity and every good course. You'll know about equality and equity. And every good course, he says. 
For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you, understanding will watch over you, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoicing in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways, to deliver you from the strange woman. And somebody had said, this is probably could have been better said, the stranger woman. Not she's one stranger than the other, but the stranger, meaning she's a stranger to the uh, to to Judaism. The stranger, because their issue and that their immediate issue in those days was the issues with Solomon. He's marrying, which he, God told him not to marry off into these other people. And that wasn't a racist thing. Everybody tries to make, oh, that was a racist thing. Marry. No, that had nothing to do with that. God was telling them, don't marry these other. Women from these other tribes of people because they're heathens. Had nothing to do with the color of their skin or the accent that they spoke with or any of those kind of things. It had everything to do with the fact that they just worshipped heathen gods. And what did old Solomon do? Oops. Okay. So that stranger woman. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was bad. Okay. From the adulteress who flatters with her words and free who leaves the companion of her youth, forgets the covenant of her God, and her house sinks down to death. None will go to, who go to her return again, nor do they reach the path of life. So you will walk in the way of good men. If you, get, if you stay away from all that, he says, <clears throat> if you did what I told you and to search for me with all your heart, then you'll stay away from those things, and now you will walk in the path of good men, way of good men. Keep to the paths of the righteous, for the uphold will live in the land. The blameless will remain in it. The wicked will be cut off from the land. The treacherous will be uprooted from it. Okay. Now, there's a lot there, but we're just going to kind of, we may stay this a while. We'll see. But I want to talk about human nature because I, I see a lot of stuff in here that I believe has to do with that. And I like talking about this subject. And I don't think we get this enough. Now, let's go where, <clears throat> who had that Second Corinthians 5.17? Who was that? Any man me in Christ? He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, <clears throat> it's easy for us to get to thinking that God just kind of jacks up and refurbishes like an old telephone or something, our old nature. But that's not what he's saying, is it? So what happens to the old human nature? It's it's judged. What is it? I said it's suppressed. It gets suppressed, but it's judged. He's judged. Now, what was yours in uh, Romans six? Let's look at that. <clears throat> yes, 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 yes. Now, if you have died with Christ, we believe that you should also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that... Now, this can get confusing if you don't have the right understanding. So that's what I want us to get tonight. We might not get everywhere into this, but I want us to see some of this, okay? 
For we died with Christ, we believe we'll also live with him in verse 8. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. Remember that, that's important. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. There's where a lot of, we get a lot of our theology about salvation right there. He died once and for all, okay? <clears throat> but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. Um, let me see that there's one verse that I was looking for. <clears throat> well, let's just keep reading this. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now, this is pretty deep stuff, but we're going to try to make a little bit of understanding. I think it will clarify a lot of this for us. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. We talked about that this uh, this morning, you know. Um, the Jewish people thought they were under the law. They thought they were obligated to keep the law. They were trying their best to keep the law. They're trying to be good Jews. They just was... They were sincere. They were sincerely wrong because they couldn't keep it. So here's what Paul is saying. And when he says, what then? And that's kind of like an amazement. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? May it never be. In other words, shall I just keep on sinning because I'm saved and live the way I want to live? That's what Paul's saying right there. Do I just go out there and live however I want to? Because, yay, I'm saved. I can't go to hell. Boom, boom, boom. Let's do what we want to do. Well, there's a problem there. That's what Paul's saying. What, what then? What, how could that be? Do you not know that when you present your bodies to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey, uh, either of the sin resulting in death or the obe obedience resulting, resulting in righteousness? Okay. So he goes on. And I won't read the rest of that because I want you to read it later. But what he's saying here can get you really a good strong headache if you're if you're if you don't have the right approach to this, okay? And I know because I've had that headache. What is the deal with human nature? Human nature, old self, doesn't get refurbished, okay? Self doesn't get rebuilt. Human nature, when man Sin in the Garden of Eden, man died spiritually. Now, he did not die physically right away, but he did die eventually, physically. <clears throat> had men not, man not sinned, he would not have died because he had no, there was no death in him. Okay? So when man chose to disobey God, he had knowledge. Well, old Lucifer didn't lie about one part. He said you'd, you'd know good and evil. Well, they didn't know evil. All they knew was good. So the knowledge of evil is kind of like carnal knowledge. Basically, it's what that is. So once they sinned, they for the first time had carnal knowledge. They didn't know anything about sin. God created them right there. They were walking in the garden with the Lord and living it up and just having a good old time. They were, they were without sin at that particular time. 
And then here comes the tempter and puts that mixture, just a little bit of mixture of error in the truth to make it all nasty. <clears throat> I mean, how many drops of, of uh, sewer would you want in your gumbo to make it unedible, you know, or inedible, or however you say that? I would say zero. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's just if once you drop some error in there and some sin in there, then it's 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 it, it, you can still be talking truth or sound like you're talking truth, but it's still error. You see what I mean? So the devil comes in and he starts giving all these what if? Yea, hath God said? Yada yada yada. They made the decision. After God had said, notice it was after God had said, do not do this. They had everything they wanted, but do not do this. And they chose to do that. And all of a sudden, guess what happened? All of a sudden they had knowledge of what? Good and evil, yeah. What else did they have knowledge of? Think about it for a minute. You know it. They had knowledge of their bodies. Yeah. They had knowledge of their bodies that was unclothed, which they had no knowledge of that before. They were naked and didn't know they were naked because they'd never known anything else. Why? Because that was a state of innocence. That was innocence. But then all of a sudden, with willful sin, came carnal knowledge. It, it just seems so amazing to me, all of a sudden they were aware of their bodies. That, that just, wow, I, I, I can't even put that in words. They didn't know they were naked. All of a sudden, and what, 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 did the, what, did the, what was the conversation? Y'all remember it? Come on. Who told you? Yes. Who told you you were naked? Why are you putting fig leaves? Who taught you how to sew? No, he didn't say that, but I'm sure it was. <laughs> Why are you sewing fig leaves together? Who told you you were naked? Well, the Lord knew exactly what was going on. He knew exactly what had happened. And now the, that relationship was 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 destroyed, you see. And now they wound up having to be driven out of the garden, you know, and the Lord put an angel with a flaming sword to keep them from coming back and eating of the tree of life and staying that way forever. I've heard a lot of people say it that way. If they'd ate of the tree of life, then that would have been it. I mean, that, that sounds as good, I mean, it sounds as good an explanation as anybody else's, but what I'm saying is he put them out of there in a flaming sword to keep them out. And then they had to go work. Did God still love them? Of course he did. Now the first blood, and I used to preach that message, the first blood was when the Lord uh, clothed them in skins. The Lord, uh, I think it was the first uh, shadow of what was to come. Apparently the Lord killed those animals and gave them leathers, you know, skins to clothe themselves with. I used to call that first blood. That was my, my message. I loved that one. Talking about the blood of Jesus. It was pointing to what was going to have to happen. But you see, God already knew. God already knew way before that what was coming. 
He knew they were going to. And the thing is, this is the beautiful part of this. God already had the supply ready before the need came. Now that ought to tell you how great God is. That ought to tell us how wonderful the Lord is because he already has the, the salvation. He already, because the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. So that human nature. So when the Lord, I'm just kind of bringing this up to speed here. So when we come to Jesus Christ, there are a lot of people have differences of opinion. There a lot of people have um, the Calvinists basically uh, follow a determinist um, idea that God determines who's going to be saved and who's not. I can't align myself with that. I, God is sovereign. God can do whatever he wants to. I believe he chose to give us the choice. That's just what I believe. Somebody asked Dr. H. A. Ironside what, whether he believed, you know, the elect or he believed in, you know, whosoever will. And he said, well, let me just put it to you like this. He said, if there's a gates in heaven, on the outside of those pearly gates, it says whosoever will may come. And if you walk inside and you look on the inside, you can see the elect of God. Because <laughs> God just happens to know who it is that's going to come. Foreknowledge, I, don't, I think sometimes people get foreknowledge mixed up with determinism, you know, and, and they get a little bit strong on that. And I mentioned a guy this morning that has kind of, uh, I've seen a lot of the things that he's written and some of the things he's attacked people on, and bless his heart, I love him to death. But I think he's going to wind up getting himself in a lot of trouble. And he's chasing off a whole lot of fish. There's that thing again. He chases off a whole lot of fish by talking about, you know, everybody. And, you know, he thinks it's his place to, to correct everybody and correct them publicly. There's one thing. If you find somebody that's not preaching the truth. Okay, well, first of all, I'm, I'll be like the Lord in that thing this morning. What's, how's that concern me? You know? If it's not affecting my people in my church, you know, <laughs> you know, if he's leading my people astray or something like that, we may go sit down and have a conversation and go, hey, what's up? You know, why are you talking this stuff? But just because somebody's down the road preaching a revival meeting and they're preaching something I don't agree with, that ain't, that don't, that's not my business. That's between them and God. Now, I may disagree with what they're saying. And then I have the freedom to go right down the road the other way and preach the truth. Because, uh, um, I believe it was Ron, no, it was uh, Vance Habner that said the best way to defeat error was a double-barrel blast of the truth. Okay. Well, I'm not going to be shooting it at nobody, but I just need to t preach the truth. Let the truth, let God and his truth, you know, overshadow all the error that they want to throw out there. So, <clears throat> what do we do with this human nature thing? What do we do with that stuff? Well, I don't believe... I believe that, get, bring this up to speed here, um, when, when we come to Christ, that's where I left off, when we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit draws us because we have to be drawn of the Spirit. That's why I believe we preach the gospel and the power of the gospel Paul talked about is what draws people. And that's why I believe it's incumbent upon us. Yes, I also believe that nobody's going to go to heaven and go, at the, at the judgment day, go, God, who are you? I never heard of you. I don't know who you are. I'm, why am I here? You know, I don't believe that's going to happen because Paul talked about in Romans 1 about how that 
everything is obvious to people. Everybody knows. If you believe God created man, you have to believe that there's a hole in every person that's God-shaped. There's a vacancy there. There's a vacuum there. You have to know. People suppress it. We were talking about it here a minute ago. People suppress it. People put it down. They act like they don't know who God is. But I don't believe they're being honest with themselves because I believe that every person knows. You find a detective out there somewhere that's looking for people who kill people, and they'll, they'll tell you when they're training you that every person wants to confess. You know, even these old serial killers and stuff like that, they all leave clues behind. And all these, you know, people who do those profiles, and they say that, well, really deep down inside they want to get caught. Because they got a guilty conscience. And in legal terms, they call it mens rea. It's a, it's a, it's a presence of a guilty mind. Okay? you got a presence of a guilty mind. People have. I believe man has the presence of a guilty mind when it comes to God. So I believe even though they'll fight you and talk to the last day how they don't believe in all this stuff. And I believe the ones who talk the loudest against it are the ones who really deep down inside are fighting against their own feelings. They know good and well that all this stuff they're spouting is not true. <laughs> That's just my opinion, okay? What do we do with human nature? Well, there's three things, and I learned this uh, in business school and stuff like that, and I kind of put this together. Um, there's three things that I can do, okay? I can't change human nature, okay? So, one, I can, uh, I can fight it. I can fight, try to fight human nature. Well, people, are, people have their own ways about doing things, okay? They're just, there's just things people are going to do. You know, you almost can't keep them from it. People are just headstrong sometimes into doing things. If I'm a manager or a leader or a supervisor or whatever like that, you know, i got to kind of understand a few things about people. There's, I can fight against human nature and just hammer, 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 hammer. And more than likely, all I'm going to do is create a bunch of animosity, you know. I probably ain't going to get very far with them. I mean, you have to be firm. You have to stand on what you have to stand on. But if you're constantly fighting against people and human nature, you just, you're just going to pound your head against the wall. Okay? So you can, you can fight it, or you can learn to work with it. Learn to work with it. Uh, the guy wrote, y'all ever heard of a guy named Dale Carnegie? <laughs> One of the old timers a long time ago. Uh, he wrote a book. I read it. I, I had a copy of it. I don't know what, ha I think I still have it in my library. I got a lot of books, and so sometimes some of them get lost, and I can't find them until way later. I'm not looking for them anymore than there they are. <clears throat> but um, he wrote this book a long time ago was called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Okay? And I used to think that was the coolest thing because he he figured out instead of going out there and yelling at people on the you know, the floor of the factory, that he'd go out there and try to not just be their friend and beg them to do anything, but go out there and tell them, look, man, you know, hey look, uh, he'd find something good about them, you know. Maybe they always dress nice. 
They weren't. They did. They were making mistakes on the, you know, the floor of the factory, but they dressed nice. So he called them in, and he'd tell them, "Hey, look, man, I just want to tell you, you always look good every day." He'd start with something good, then he'd tell them, "But, but I got one little thing I need to talk to you about. You know, you're you're missing this part, or you're doing this, and that." And then he'd remind them again at the end of it. But I appreciate your, you know, the way you present yourself every day. And he said, most of the time people leave out of there feeling good about themselves, even though they got their honey chewed out. <laughs> he found a way to work with human nature and make those people feel like they, you know, he complimented them what they did. He just learned to make it work. Okay, that may not work for every single person. Um. But fighting against it sure ain't going to work. And you might make it work if you learn to work with it. But the, God, I used to say God's the only one that can change it. But actually what he does is just give you a new one. Because the old human nature, the old self, and this human nature right here, is judged. It's judged. It's dead. This old body, you know, just to prove it, here's I believe it's proof. This old body right here, this falling apart, you know, uh, aching, paining thing, I'm saved as I can be. I, I'm as saved as the first day I got saved, and I'm just as saved as I ever will be, and I'll never be more saved than I am today. But this body right here ain't going to heaven in the story. It ain't going. I'm going. Me in here, I'm going. There ain't no doubt about that. There ain't nothing can change that. You can't take me out of God's hands. But this body right here, this is done. And that old little voice that kind of tends to wonder, as we were saying, you know, that we suppress those things. We still fight against that. But that old nature ain't going because it's judged. Jesus judged it. God judged it on the cross. Now, the sooner we learn, you know, and understand that, that... What Paul was talking about here was not, how dare you continue in sin? That wasn't what he was saying. Now, we read it as sometimes it sounds that way. And sometimes in the King James, you know, it's not as clear today as it might have been 1,600 years ago. It might have been perfectly clear for those people. But sometimes today we got we got to dig around in there and find out what's God really saying to us. And don't let, if the Bible is frustrating you, then maybe you need to kind of, Spread out a little bit and find out what God's saying. Because the Bible should convict us. Convict us, convince us of our sin, and give us hope and joy you know, for obedience. That's what the Bible's supposed to do. Give us joy and, and excitement. The Bible should be something that, yes, it's going to convict us when we've done wrong. But it's not really supposed to frustrate us, I don't believe. I don't believe the Bible's intended to, to get us confused. The the author of confusion is who? Yeah. So if, if you're confused about God's word, we need to find out what the deal is. Now, <clears throat> the conversation we're having today, and it's hard for me to say this because I don't want to be unkind to other people and make people think that I think I know everything because I don't. But what I'm saying is a lot of times people in different um Situations, different uh, religious situations, churches, whatever. A lot of times they don't tend to grow in the Lord, and they kind of find themselves on that that uh, that little wheel, you know, where they just keep going round and round and round and round. They come to church, they get excited, 
they have a good time, you know, and they've got to have it again. It's just never anything. Well, the devil takes advantage of stuff like that. And I'm not criticizing. I'm just simply saying you find a lot of people. We, we were discussing some of that today, and I've run into a lot of people the same way. <clears throat> and this is what I'm getting at. The reason for what he says right here. I have had people tell me this, and somebody else told me the exact same thing. Well, where did you get that from? That, well, no, no, they give you something. It, just lay it out. Okay, well, show me that in the Scripture. Well, 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 well I can't. Well, why, why not? I don't understand. Not trying to be mean. Well, that's what my preacher said. That's what I've been taught all my life. Okay, well, that's fine. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that I've been taught all my life too, but we don't never need to stay there. That's why I always encourage people to dig. I want you to not just take Jesse's word. I don't ever want you to just take my word for something. Well, Jesse, Brother Jesse said, you know, no, well, that's fine. I'm glad you think that much of me. But I want you to go in there and dig in the Scripture and know it for yourself. That's what I want. I want to show it to you, and I want to leave enough of a taste in your mouth that you go home and go, well, that old man, that old fat old white-haired dude, let me go see if he's really telling the truth. And dig. And you might say, well, well, I'm not real sure I agree with that. And that's fine. That's fine. But you might find, hey, that is true. And now you know it for yourself, you see. And a good teacher will do that instead of just telling you something. You remember it for the test. You remember it long enough to take the test, and then you forget it. That didn't do you much good, did it? What really does you some good is when you, when you learn it, and they leave it enough for you to have to go dig it up for homework. And you go dig it up for homework and you get mad trying to figure it out. And you're just mad and you get mom and daddy can't help you. And you're trying to figure that problem out. And you're just mad as you can be. And then finally, when you finally get to that point where you're like, okay, that makes sense now. Guess what? You just learned something. <laughs> Anybody ever been that place? <laughs> I have. <laughs> Math used to make me so mad I couldn't see straight. Because I just didn't see the point. You know, if you're solving a problem, and this is just my opinion because I'm not the math guy. If you're solving a problem, that's fine. If you're solving things for equations just for the idea of solving and having equations, I'm like, I'm spinning my wheels. I'm on a gopher track here. I don't like this. I want to get down to something that's going to teach me something. <laughs> I don't like just doing theories and stuff, you know. I just never was that. But a lot of people do that. They like challenging themselves. Now, when I taught in the prison, I had a guy that is a black fella, and he was from somewhere, some part of Africa, and I can't remember exactly where he's from. Might have been Kenya. This dude was brilliant. I mean, he had a, a, a strange name. I probably couldn't pronounce it correctly if I could remember it right now. But he had a master's degree, and he was an engineer, and he taught engineering. This guy was a mathematician. I mean, he was good. He knew all, he knew the old stuff. He knew the the dumber than dirt uh, version, the... Um, 
what's this other stuff they come common core uncommonly uh, corrupt and all this he knew all the versions you know and he could do them all on the board so we had three hour block classes and I would teach the English and the history and the social studies things like that you know and I'd always give him probably about 45 minutes to an hour I'd give him almost a third of that time to go up to the board nicest fellow you'd ever want to meet always every day good Christian boy he found Jesus. Now, it turned out that he, somebody had done something to his wife or fiancé or something, and he killed him. And uh, I, I don't know if it was uh, justified or not, but he wound up in prison. He was doing 40 years. So, you know, he here he is, a very educated, very nice guy, found Jesus, and got saved, and boy, just, you know, just a wonderful person to be around, good teacher. So I put him to work and I asked the principal. I said, okay, if I put him to work, he, she said, go ahead. So he would take that time, he'd bring them up two or three or four at a time, and he'd explain these problems. And he knew how to explain them, okay? He explained them in a way they could understand, and everybody made good grades, and they passed very well, and then I did my other thing. So what I'm saying is, it's, it wasn't about me. I could have said, well, you know, somebody said, why are you letting some of them teach your class? I hey, it's, to me it's about them learning. It's about people learning. It's not about me being the teacher. It's about them being the student, learning. I want them to learn. And guess what? They learned. And the principal came in one day, and it wasn't just me, but some others involved in this too, and said it had some of the highest scores it had ever, you know, and some of their stuff. So I, I, we felt like we were making some headway there. So it's really about the learning. All right. I know I've won all over the place, but <clears throat> human nature. Old human nature is going to be judged. We can fight against it, or we can understand it and work with it. Now, how does that apply to what we do? Well, here's what happens. Podunk Baptist Church in Podunk, uh, Texas, you know, says, well, we ain't never done it like that before. You know, you've heard preachers say that. We ain't never going to do it that way. Well. You, know, you know, but we get set in our ways, and we, we think, well, we've always done this, or we haven't always done that. And some of them are sitting there, uh, things are changing. The world's changing around us is what I'm saying, okay? Uh, I never thought I'd ever be messing around with Facebook. I never thought I'd ever be having a, a cell phone. Because if you'd asked me a long time ago if I wanted a cell phone, I'd be like, no. <laughs> I didn't want the one in my house to begin with, <laughs> you know. But to walk around the house and have an electronic leash, no. had <laughs> a pager, that's all I needed. Um, but you know, some people come up with the times and some don't. So, humans are going to, they're going to they're gonna go with certain things. And I used to have this big deal. I had this church, <coughs> they had this app on their phone where people could give. They had a little machine in the foyer of their church where people could use their, their bank cards and give. And I threw a fit. I said, man, what in the world? What are you trying to turn this into, you know, the place where Jesus whooped all these animals, and, you know? And then I went later, and I got to thinking about that, and somebody said, you know, you need to come up to speed. <laughs> and I said, well, why is that? He goes, well, let me, let me explain it to you like this. He goes, this new generation, they don't carry cash. They don't write checks. You know what they do? They pay with that card. That's the only thing they're going to do. They pay all their bills online. 
They don't send nothing in the mail. Miss Sylvia, where are you? <laughs> Bless your heart. <laughs> she loves to do it that way. I would I would love to do that same thing. Debbie does everything online, and I'm like, I, that drives me crazy. It took her forever to get me to even use a check card. I'm like, I'm not using that. Yeah. I'm not using that. You know, to me it was it was strange. But when you got a new generation that comes up and that's what they know, guess what? I, as a Christian, I might have to come up to speed and understand a little bit and work with human nature. Is it sacrilegious to have one of those machines? Or, or maybe not a machine, but maybe something that I saw another church that put it up on their thing up there and they had a little place where you could go. What do you call it? A scan? Yeah. And the kids would give. They, and I said, what are y'all doing? What are y'all, what are y'all trying to And it just incensed me. And I'm like, okay, maybe I need to <laughs> chill out a little bit. They weren't trying to be, you know, profane the Lord or anything. They were just giving these young people who didn't carry any checks or, or any cash a way to, to pay their tithes. And they, they told me, that, they go, Jesse, it's working. These kids pay their tithes. You got young people to pay their tithes. Whoa. So guess what I had to do? I had to learn to work with human nature a little bit. I came up to speed on that. So I, I'm not as angry about stuff. You know what I mean? And that's just one example. And there are some other things. Um, I, we sit here talk all night. I'm, I'm, I'm a hush. But I'm just saying we got to learn how to reach people. You know? Now, there's one little thing, and I, I, while I'm on this subject, um, and I'll be sharing a little bit more with you as we go. There, there's a thing called geofencing. Um, I'd heard the term before, but I'd kind of forgotten about it because I didn't use it very much. <clears throat> and we get to thinking the devil's, you know, the, the old government's chasing us, but it's not really the government so much as it is businesses. So if you go somewhere... You're going down to Walmart, and you think, well, I'm going to drop in by Academy, you know, and go down and look at something. And then next thing you know, you're sitting in your car catching up on your Facebook, and here's all these Academy ads coming up. You're like, who knew I was in Academy? You know what I mean? <laughs> what in the world? Then you start talking about Joe Biden and how he's, you know, but really got nothing to do with that. What they did is they have something they called a, a, a digital fence that's around that that property. And when you and your cell phone walk into that, that's just one example. You and your cell phone walk into that place of business, it pains your cell phone. It knows you're there. Now, there's some, like I told you about the global stuff, there's good and there's bad. we got to take both. we got to understand being global is a good thing in a lot of ways, but there's some crazy stuff. So if you don't want everybody knowing your business, you <laughs> don't go into these places. But what I'm saying is, um, it's not always the government following us. It's business that's learning who's there, you know. Uh, I used to gripe because they'd make me put my zip code in there. What did I need to know that for? I'd be so mad, you know. I was trying to get gas. Leave me alone with my card, you know. And I thought, well, they just trying, but they're trying to learn who's buying their gas and you know, where are you from, where are you buying it from, and all that kind of stuff. They do that for a report that, that spits out all these things, gives them stats. 
But all of a sudden now, you walked into academy, you liable to go back to academy because now they're advertising to you. Okay, so churches are are some are using that kind of stuff, and sometimes they'll give you opportunities for those kind of things to happen. Um, like we got a chance that we we will talk about it later. Uh, we might be able to get a little sponsorship of some things, and every time anybody goes on that property, they're going to see First Baptist Church Newton, our website. Somebody told us here some time ago, some guy who did uh, uh, Southern Baptist Convention did, he's a soci, uh, sociologist that uh, did studies for a long time, wrote a book, I got the book on it, and <clears throat> he talks about how much churches don't advertise and that used to make me mad, too, when I talk about advertising. <clears throat> we're not supposed to advertise. We're not a business. But we got we go visit. You know, we give out flyers. We send out mail things and all that kind of stuff. Something it's kind of normal for us to let people know we're there. It's, it's you know, <clears throat> that's, that's just kind of a normal thing. But anyway, <clears throat> um, he, he's talking about how much of their budget that would probably be best. And he said very few churches spend probably even 1% of their budget, letting people know, hey, look, we're here. Well, oh, no, we're here. How many times have you driven by something and you somebody said, well, there's that so-and-so down there, and you're like, where? I've been driving by that for seven years. I don't, And you're like, oh, that's a business, or that's a this or that? <laughs> we don't pay attention. We, we just drive, you know. We Sometimes we'll pay attention, but... Somebody had mentioned the lights being on in here, and, I, and it's a good, it's a good advertisement for us to have the lights on here. People drive by and they see the lights on after dark, and it, you know they know that somebody's here in the church. That's just a good thing, keeping people in front of you. Um, statistics have shown, studies have, have done all that, showing that uh, um, the, if you see something, some product, so many times, x number of times. You hear the name of it. It's just annoying to me when they're advertising something. And to get these little conversations going back and it's all scripted and they're saying the name of the business like 15 times during the 30-second thing and it just gets on my nerves so bad. But what they're doing is they're driving the name. It, it's making you mad, but it's driving the name of that business in your head. That's what it's all for. Because <laughs> remember when emotion gets involved in it, you, it sticks. And so it's just like, y'all are annoying me to death. But, I mean, there's so many different ways that people are reaching uh, folks. And I, I think it might be a, a good idea for us to consider, you know, uh, keeping ourselves out there, you know, so that people know who we are. I would love to see just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. I got in on a thing, uh, a little Facebook page called I Love Lake Brewing. Um, I joined that because I want to, you know, try to, Interact with these folks, you know. I don't know if I'll ever be a golfer. I may not ever go in the country club down there or not. I don't know. I don't really have time to go play. I'd love to, but I want to interact, and I want them to see us and hear about us. And when I post something, you know, some of them will see it. And I would love to just use every avenue. So here's the bottom line. I feel like the Lord would love for every Christian to do everything, at least for me in my life and my ministry, I want to do everything I possibly can to reach everybody that I possibly can, you know. Uh, I just, within reason, of course, within sensibility. <clears throat> and reach people for the Lord so that when the end comes 
and we're standing before him, I want him to be able to say, okay, you did a good job, you know, <laughs> or halfway good job, you know. Um, I just think that's what we need to do. And since churches are tending to decline in attendance and things like that, sometimes we might need to remind people we're here. You know, just keep that in their their mind. Because sooner or later, somebody comes to visit from Shreveport or Baton Rouge or something up here, and they come up here for their camp, forgot all about First Baptist Newton. But if it gets on their mind, if they see us on the brewing page or whatever, you know, all those little things like that, Oh, yeah, that church down there. Well, guess what? We're going down there such and such weekend. But guess what, honey? We're going to go to church down there. Hey, come on. You know, I'll take that once a every six months visit. I'll be happy to see that. I heard some people talking about folks that uh, used to do that. So I think that's a good idea. Try to just reach out the best way we can. <clears throat> I love what the website's doing already. I love... Uh, the, man, I've seen a lot of, I'm, every time I turn around, I'm seeing the Vacation Bible School popping up on there, uh, on Facebook and things like that. Different people are sharing it. Uh, the Tensaw Gazette lady, she's sharing it, and different people are. And So the more we get that word out, the more chance we have of reaching more people. And if nothing ever happens but just that one person, you never know. Just God's going to use all that stuff. We just keep throwing that net out there. God's going to draw in the ones he wants to draw in. Anyway, I didn't get as far into human nature as I'd like to, but I'm hoping that people understand a little bit about that. Um, Paul wasn't saying, how dare you commit that again. What he was saying is, you know, don't worry about basically about being dominated by sin because you're you're a new creature, <laughs> you know. How can you live, you know, and, and let it rule over you? You, it's not going to rule over you. Why? Because you don't belong to that realm anymore. You belong to Jesus. So yeah, we're going to mess up. Yeah, we're going to land flat on our face on a pretty regular occasion. But guess what? We got somebody we can step up and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I know that was wrong. That wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And walk on and get it right and live that next day for him. That, that's what we can do. That's because that human nature is judged. We got a new nature. That's the good part. That's the good part. Anybody got anything? Want to share? Jesse, I'm, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. And that totally reset my, my thinking. You know, I can still be convicted of these little ass things, yep. 
and be forgiven of them. But my biggest sin that keeps me from ever being a child of God has been taken care of. Amen. Amen. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, because uh, like we were talking about a minute ago, or I was talking about a minute ago, people who don't get some of that stuff straightened out in their heart and mind, they're they're almost condemned to just sit there in that, you know, in that spinning wheel thing. They beat themselves up every day. And we were talking about it earlier, how some folks... They don't understand. Why am I still doing this? Why do I still want to do this? Why do I still? Why am I still drawn to, you know, to to do this thing or say that thing or whatever? And they beat themselves up because nobody's having an opportunity to disciple them and tell them, look, here's what's happening to you. <laughs> you know, if you did you honestly? You go back to the same thing. It's like the doctor is going to do. He's going to examine you. Did you honestly, sincerely? Word of God, give your heart and life to Jesus. Did you, did you sense that in your own? You're the only one that can know, you and him. Yes, I did. Well, then here's the deal. Here's here's the deal. And just what, when you're living in a body, <laughs> you got a new nature living in an old body. And that causes conflict. So what you're living in is conflict because of your body. And, you know, and it's not something, it's not... Hell sending sins <laughs> just because you said a four letter word when you hit your thumb with a hammer, you know, oh my God, I got to go get saved again. No, that's not what it is at all. That's something you say, God, I'm sorry, you know, and you learn, you know, and, and, and you get discipled. That's discipleship. That, that's what that is. That's Him uh, bringing us into that fullness of Christ. And one of these days, He'll mature us, and we get to that point when He comes back to get us, we'll be mature. See, and he then he'll make us complete. So, yes, but if people don't get that understanding of what's going on in their life, and they beat themselves up every day, that's why people wind up just giving up and throwing their hands up and walking away, thinking, "Well, this this Jesus thing, I tried that, it ain't working." Well, let me tell you something: you probably didn't try it the right spot, because if you come where somebody's going to teach you the Word of God, you know, it's not based on feeling. And there's nothing wrong with feeling. Nothing based on shouting and doing all these other things and having all these other experiences. I, 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 these are great things. I, I have nothing against those things. But when your life is based on those things other than the Word, then you're going to have some issues, you see. So if you get rid of those things and understand what's going on in your life, now you can grow. You can say, yeah, Lord. <laughs> you might even say, and I'm just using this... You may say, Lord, I sure had a bad attitude yesterday. I felt bad. I was sick or whatever, you know, and I had a bad attitude. But thank God, Jesus, I'm saved and God forgave me. And now today I got a better attitude. You know, see what I mean? There's a whole different uh, mentality there rather than the person that thinks, man, I tried this thing. And then I messed around and said a bad word. And now I'm lost again. And I, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I can't be doing this saved, unsaved, saved, unsaved, saved, unsaved. You know, but people live like that. They never grow. They never grow. That's why you've got so many of these churches that have, and I'm nothing against experiments and sen- sensational things. I've got nothing against shouting and having a good time. You, you want to shout, praise God, hallelujah. i got no problem with that. But what I'm saying, if, if your whole experience is based on that, rather than Scripture and the Word and learning from God, you're going to live a shallow Christian life, you see, because you're 
you're, you're, you're going to struggle with that, am I saved, am I not, am I saved, am I not, am I saved, you're going to be picking the pedals. He saved me, he didn't. He saved me, I'm not. He said, you know, you're going to be sitting there doing those things instead of growing and getting beyond those juvenile things and, and, and growing on to learning how to walk with the Lord and how to say, yeah, devil, I ain't putting up with that. You're not getting me in that trap again. Then you're going to do what he said in there. You're going to stay away from that stranger situation, see? Now you're learning how to avoid those things because you're growing. You'll see the difference in that. I hope that's clear. Uh, that's the difference in, in folks. I, I'm, there's a whole lot of folks in a whole lot of places I wish I could disciple. I wish they'd let me. Not because I think I know everything, but just I just know I know how to talk to them. I know how I would sit down with them and say, look, dude, let me, let me help you with this. Quit pulling your hair out and thinking God ain't real. Let me help you. Here's what you're going through. And God wants us all to be like that. He wants us to grow up in Him and learn how to teach other people the same thing. That's discipleship. Yes, ma'am. And I feel like I'm Yes.
Amen. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. I can tell you a personal thing that kind of goes along with that. I tried everything in the world. And I wasn't really sure I wanted to pastor again. I tried everything. Debbie can tell you, I, I just I couldn't get along with nobody. Nobody get along with me. I mean, it just it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to last. It just we going to fight. You know, I mean, it just, you know, certain things I wasn't, I couldn't put up with things in principle and da da da. It was always something. And I began to think, man, maybe something seriously, seriously, seriously wrong with me. You know what was wrong with me? I wasn't doing what God called me to do. <laughs> That's what was wrong with me. <laughs> That's exactly what's wrong with me. You know, and, and the minute I finally just said, you know what, God, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know when. But when you open that door, I'm jumping through it. Guess what? Boom! <laughs> and, brother, I'm telling you the whole, everything, and this went on for a long time. It went on for a long time. And uh, just it, when, you, when you're in the will of God, doing what God equipped you and called you to do, everything tends to fall together. That doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. You know, we're not in the church in Houston where everything, you know, we oh, everything's good. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that at all. Because if you beg God to get you out of everything, you're never going to learn anything, you know. Everybody wants to be rescued from everything. Oh, you know, and the whole thing is all about this positive thinking mess, you know. We've got to learn, don't we? We've got to learn. And it's not fun Jackie can tell you, it's not fun. But I had to learn that that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. None of that stuff. And I enjoyed a lot of it. Uh, and I was pretty good at some of it. But I wasn't happy. And having peace in your heart, you know, enjoying your life, that that's worth it all. Doing whatever God told you to do. And it's not all just about your, your, your job. You might be a pipe fitter, you know. And that that's fine. You know, you're where God wants you to be, but the whole thing is you're doing what God want, God give you to do and enjoying it and growing in the Lord and walking with Him. That's where it's all at. That's where it's all. Anybody else? <clears throat> all right, I kept y'all long. <laughs> Did this morning too. <laughs> uh I appreciate the help today. We got some more coming in the morning. We're so happy to be able to be here. Everything's pretty much in the house. We just got to find a place to put it. But that's good. That's no problem. We're happy to be home. Happy to be home. Let's pray for Brother Levance and uh, Miss Corrine. And God will keep keep working in her life as well. I'm amazed. And I didn't see her. I don't know anything about the situation or what I was told, but. Uh, I'm just amazed that she's still got function, you know. God is good, man. That is just amazing. That is amazing. Anybody else before we pray? For rain? For rain? Oh, okay, for rain. We had rain all around us last night, didn't we? Was it last night? It rained a game out? Oh, man. I didn't even know that. That's how in touch I've been in the last few days. We come through uh, Shreveport from Houghton to Ruston. 
the bottom fell out, man. I mean, it was raining so hard you couldn't see. Whew, it was bad. I thought looking for Noah. You know, <laughs> man, it was, it was getting rough over there. Yeah, we got over here. Uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly where we were, but all of a sudden it's like, okay, no more. Uh, out on the fields. Well, we actually came through Rayville and came down through Winsboro, went to Walmart, came on over here, you know. And we got a few sprinkles through there, and then all of a sudden, nothing. So, yeah, it might be a bubble. I don't know. It seemed like Midland. Everything goes around Midland, so probably the same way here. Some things go around. But it sure was threatening. <laughs> Okay, yeah, let's pray for some rain. I know these corn crops need rain, but these guys got those pumps out there too, don't they? That's amazing. I told her a while ago, uh, we come back from lunch, I said, look down between them rows, there ain't a sprig of grass, a weed, and nothing. It's amazing to me how they can engineer all that stuff to make not even a blade of grass grow. That's just, I'm just amazed by people with all their knowledge. Wow. Make that corn grow sky high and not a, you don't even have to go out there and hoe it. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. All right. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. I pray, God, that you'd help us understand that you, you're trying to grow us. You're not, you're not just punishing us and beating us up. You're trying to grow us. You love us. We know that. Sometimes we don't act like we know that, but we do. Thank you, Father, for loving us enough to grow us and mature us. Because that takes more than just letting us do whatever. You're not an absent God. You're a present God. You're not like an absent parent. You're a present one. You're in our lives and you're working in our lives. And we thank you for that. Even though at the time it doesn't seem pleasant. But we thank you that you love us that much. Thank you, God. We bless your name for that. We pray for Brother Levance. I pray, God, you give him comfort and peace and rest tonight. We pray for rain, Lord, that you would help these farmers. Lord, they got a beautiful crop. Lord, I pray, and I've been praying since day one when I got here, Lord, that you'd just give them an abundant crop this season. There's a lot of stuff happening, a lot of crops coming in. I pray, God, that you'd bless in wonderful ways. Bless this church. Bless this week. Lord, give us grace as we travel. Get our last little bit done. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.